Welcome back, everybody. We've got a you know a very special guest today running some 49ers Packers talk. I've got my guy Wayne Breezy. We're here to chop shop. Stay tuned. We got a show coming at you right after this. Welcome back to the program, everybody. I'm your host, Rohan Chakravarti, here on the podcast. But I've got a guest, you know, who I haven't had on in a while, but we are back at it, and that's at the most perfect time of the season, the playoffs. My guy, Wayne, how you doing, my man? I'm great. It's about time. We can come off this bye week. We can stop resting, and we can get into some 49er football, bro. Yeah, man. I mean, it's like, you know, we 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 like the divisional. We we like giving the players a rest, but now we can watch the 49ers play 49er football at Levi Stadium for the first time in a minute in the playoffs. And now we know our opponent. It's the Green Bay Packers who upset the Dallas Cowboys. It's been a bit of a weird wild card weekend, you know. No Dallas, no Philly. It's Green Bay who's moving on alongside Detroit and Tampa Bay which would shut up for somewhat of an intriguing, you know, an unexpected NFC playoff matchup. Before we get into it, though, I want to break down that last game that we saw, the Green Bay Packers versus Dallas. What impressed you about Green Bay in that game? Uh, their their ability to uh, – two things, right? They were able to find a way to consistently run the ball, and then just the way that they were dialing it up and trying to get the ball downfield – uh, and so, you know, Green Bay's execution was pretty much superb uh, throughout the whole game. They had a big lead throughout the whole game. Obviously, uh, you know, they started to give up some points later on down in the stretch. But the game was pretty much in the bag. Uh, so from the Green Bay side, I, I, I thought they did. I thought they executed very well. Uh, what was he? 16 for 21, 275 yards, three touchdowns, 100, almost a almost a perfect passer rating uh in that particular game for jordan love so it was it was good to see that um and it was good to see that they they were able to get the upset uh and then when you look at what dallas did like i was more surprised because this was to me probably the most shocking game because you know you it's the david and goliath game and you look at uh the dallas cowboys apparently they were the goliaths and then david came in and hit him right in the face with the slingshot and took him down and so i was more confused on how dallas was playing defense rohan i couldn't figure it out to save my life i didn't understand what they were doing but they couldn't stop the run they weren't even playing a run at the majority of the game and so it, it was it was just like a weird game uh from the dallas cowboys but they're out packers are in and niners are gonna be ready yeah no you're right packers in Cowboys out. And I think when, when you look at the game, one thing that intrigued me was the way that both teams kind of went about their business. Green Bay has one of the top premier uh, talents at quarterback. I think we're starting to realize that in Jordan Love, but they kept a balanced approach. I mean, Aaron Jones was as integral to their success as Jordan Love was in this game, ran for 21, you know, uh, 118 yards on 21 carries, three touchdowns. And it's intriguing because Love, I mean, Jones has been a guy who they've kind of monitored throughout the season, a guy who's missed a couple of games here and there. seems like they've kept him fresh enough for the playoffs. 
looked a lot fresher than Tony Pollard in this one, and he was able to get it done. And I thought Nick Bosa, you know, had a telling uh, quote this week when breaking down this game. It's in the playoffs, it's about who can stop the run and who can run the football. The Packers clearly did that a lot better than the Dallas Cowboys. They ended up running for a total of 143 yards. If you can run the ball 33 times in the playoffs, you're usually going to have a good, you know, good, good success on the ground. Dallas, on the other hand, they ran for 123 yards, but the, you know, a majority of the average of their 4.9 yards came from Dak Prescott on quarterback scrambles. And that's when they were in the drop back game in the second half. So not as efficient of a run game. They are now out. Packers are now in. I, I, I don't know. My, 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 my preface is to prepare the faithful for and and you know, a, a great game from the San Francisco 49ers. I I know that they've been on a little, you know, a little bye. They might got a little bit of rest. Cool. But I just feel like the 49ers are going to come out and, and dominate this game. Like, I'm not saying it's going to be a blowout. It doesn't, listen, dominance doesn't mean blowout. It means control. And so when I say dominate, I think the 49ers will control and dictate this whole game. Whether they win 13 nothing, whether they win 47 to 3, whether they win 41 to 40. They're still going to find a way to control or dictate kind of like what happens in this game. And so the Niners, in my opinion, when I look at what the Niners need to do against what we just witnessed, because what we got from the Packers was inconsistency, right? And right. so you can say, oh, yeah, like he looked amazing. He did. We're not going to take anything away from Jordan Love. Jordan Love looks like he's going to be some type of phenom. It's funny, though, because when Brock Purdy has a game like that, he has to do it again. Oh, he got to do it again. Oh, now he got to do it for a full season. Oh, now he got to do it in the playoffs. Oh, now he got to do it for two full years. Jordan Love has one of those anomaly games with almost a perfect passer rating, and all of a sudden he's this premier quarterback in the NFL. Really? Because he had a very inconsistent season, if I'm not mistaken. Now, you can factor in the fact that he was missing Christian Watson for the majority of the season. Aaron Jones was missing for the majority of the season. I don't care. I know what the way he looked, and it wasn't that great. And 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 so I, I just be wanting that same energy because you're going to get a phenom quarterback and Brock Purdy playing against, to me, a more inconsistent guy that can have a great game or he can have a very low game. I don't see too many really mid-games, and if they give us a mid-game, that's in the 49ers' favor. Yeah, and I think that that's a good breakdown that you have, which is what leads me to kind of, you know, my initial thoughts for or your I want to hear your initial thoughts because you talk about how you don't think this game is going to be that close. I even saw a tweet of yours indicating something similar. What do you think leads you to that kind of argument? I know you talked about Jordan Love. What other factors are you kind of thinking about that has you swing in the 49ers direction so much? It's the, it's the 49ers mindset, and it's what has been all season long. And it's the fact that they go out and they find a way to dominate. Right. And then and on top of that, it comes down to them executing. I honestly, the only way the Niners lose this game is if they beat themselves. Let's just keep it a book. Like that's what it's gonna come down to. What do I mean by beating themselves? Turning the ball over, getting dumb penalties, like just do not miss tackles. Those are the things you do that you that's how you beat yourself. Giving teams more opportunities, you know, getting a flag when you got a three and out or giving up. How about just giving up a third and sixteen? Like little things like that. But we've watched the Niners overcome that adversity as well. So 
like when you look at the San Francisco 49ers, Rohan, all you got all they gotta do is, is stick to what the basic of the game plan is. They like to run, they like to pass, right? And so keep it simple. You don't have to come out with a bunch of tricks or things like that to beat a team with a nine and eight record that's been predominantly inconsistent all season long. Now, you do have to prep and game plan for to take away those parts that they have on their team. They got some explosive young talent, right? But look at the Niners talent. They they're loaded with all pros. Like all pro, like we they just did the all pro list. It's a lot of them. And it's a lot of veterans. And that to me, the experience is going to be the, the the key that's going to topple over for the San Francisco 49ers. When I say it's not even going to be close, when I say that the 49ers are going to win this game by a landslide, listen, man, they got the number one running back in the NFL. If we broke down how Green Bay defends the run, I mean, they rank 15th against the run. They finished the season 15th against the run. It's the middle of the pack. No pun intended, right? But how many games have they given up 200 rushing yards? Four or five? Right, like they 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 can't stop good running attacks. That's what that's the key. Run the daggone ball. The 49ers will set, dictate how this game flows. They'll control the clock, and everything will work in their favor. I think that what you break down is you know it's an important breakdown in terms of the talent. I think another portion of it is the age difference. The Packers hold one right. of the youngest offenses in the NFL. We not only have talked about Jordan Love, who is in his first year as a starter. But if you look at their receiving court, Christian Watson, he is a, uh, you know, he he's very young in his career. Bo Melton, uh, Samori Torre, or not Torre, sorry, uh, Romeo Dobbs. A lot of their young, uh, you know, receiving weapons are very, very young. First or second year players, you look at their tight ends. Luke Musgrave, rookie. Uh, Tucker Craft, rookie. Really, the only place where there isn't much youth on their team is at running back, maybe with Aaron Jones, and then at left tackle with David Bakhtiari. Even if even a lot of their you know offensive line is young. And again, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of young talent on that team. There's, I mean, uh, like good talent that is good young. talent. Good talent. There's a reason that they're in the spot that they are. There's a reason they just upset the Dallas Cowboys. But this is a very very young offense. And when we look at the matchup. It is going to, you know, the way the Packers have to win this game is via their offense because they don't possess one of the league's best defenses. I know that they just outclassed the Dallas Cowboys, but, um, you know, they Joe Barry, his defenses have not been performing that well throughout his career with the Packers. In fact, before the playoffs, there were rumors that Barry was going to be on his way out of Green Bay once the playoffs were done. And so this might be, you know, this might have to be an offensive showcase. And when you look at the youth all across the team, there's a difference with playoff experience on one side and playoff experience on the other side. Um, and so I wonder how, if at all, if that kind of uh, difference between the two teams ends up playing out. And real quick, obviously, want to give a shout out to Peachy, who always tunes in whenever me and Wayne go live. Appreciate you so much. What's up, Peach? I mean, I think you you hit the nail on the head. And like you said, it comes down to, you know, uh, experience, veteranship, things like that. Um, you know, and, and you're forcing those young players to go out there and play mistake-free football. And then the question is, if the Packers do get faced with adversity, if they do get punched in the mouth and go down 14 nothing, how are they going to respond? Because if the 49ers are like in full swing, it's going to be it's going to be tough. I mean, and, and when you look at the real battle, to me, it's the head coaching. 
battle, right? And so it's going to come down to the 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 apprentice versus the master, like right? It's going to come down to Kyle Shanahan versus Matt Lafleur. You got two identical offenses, but with with different layouts and pieces on how to execute. And I definitely don't want to slight or take anything away from the Green Bay Packers. Uh, congratulations to them. They're in the playoffs. They got their first win. When you look at Dallas and and who they had to play, Dallas wasn't a very good rushing team. Uh, and they couldn't figure out how to run the ball with Tony Pollard this year. They were very inconsistent in the run. And they forced Dallas to be one-dimensional. And so when you force a team to be one-dimensional, that's kind of like where things kind of like fluster. And I guarantee you that's going to be the Packers' game plan. Make Brock Purdy one-dimensional. But if they can't stop the run because they struggle against stopping the run, that's why Kyle Shanahan is going to have to find a way to stick to it. So if you get uh, 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 Christian McCaffrey don't have too many rushing attempts for losses. He might get one or two per game. And then if you total all of those up – times 17 that's how many he has all season long but it's not that many but my point is like run the ball you just gotta run the ball you gotta run the ball take advantage of their weaknesses that's what Kyle Shanahan does we talk about what Kyle Shanahan likes to do and he figures out he's playing minority report and he's figuring out okay they're weak at linebacker cool their safeties are cool but let's see if we can get our receivers to get those safeties to 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 nudge because that's what will open up the middle of the field and then boom there's George Kittle there's Brandon Ayuk there's there's Brock killing the zone I know a lot of people feel like Brock struggles against the zone he struggled against a a tough zone defense against the Baltimore Ravens, who just did not do anything slight to deteriorate from their game plan. Their game plan was nobody move on the pre-snap. Don't you make us, don't you move, don't you make a sound. I mean, I've never seen that in my life. I've been watching football all my life. I've never seen that. Kudos to them. They did that, kind of confused Brock a little bit. He threw his first interception. rest of those balls were tipped. Things happened. You're not going to get that from the Packers. A, they're not that great on defense, even in their secondary. And I love Jair Alexander, but he's dealing with an ankle injury and he's going to get ankles up in this game. I'm, I'm quite sure he's going to play. He's a great defender. One of the, isn't he the highest paid cornerback in the game, if I'm not mistaken? Yeah. Yeah. Great guy. But now he's going to have to deal with receivers that are bullies. We're not talking finesse. We're talking straight up. I'm going to run at you, Rohan and get physical that's the word and so now he's got to deal with Debo Samuel Jawan Jennings and Brandon Ayu those are three physical bad boys and so he ain't gonna be able to do it alone I think you can attack their secondary as well but it starts with just running the ball man starts with running the ball they got a 3-4 defense they got some decent linebackers in the run game like their edges I do I like pieces of green bay but they're not the stout defense as as they used to be i think that that's a you know that's a good point overall when you talk about the differences of the two teams you look at the packers defense as well and i mean they've got good pieces Rashawn gary that's a premier pass one of my favorites yeah and clark is still there yeah oh you're right you're right Kenny clark preston smith they're still there and, and you know you still got talent overall uh, at corner, you got Jair Alexander, but I like the, the the fact that you point out the Ravens. You know that might be the one blueprint out there to beat the 49ers. But the Correct. difference when you talk about blueprints, when Nick Bosa is talking about blueprints to beat the Eagles, and teams are teams are talking about blueprints to beat the Niners, 
you need a distinct personnel to operate that blueprint to beat the 49ers. And not many teams have that blueprint. In fact, maybe the Philadelphia Eagles might have been the only other team that could have done it, but their defense has had collapsed over the last few weeks. I don't think that they would have been much of a match. The Ravens hold a, 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 a unique type of defense where you have three different safeties operating in unique roles. Kyle Hamilton, uh, Geno Stone, and also Marcus Williams. All three different safeties have spent at least 10% of their snaps this year in the box, uh, you know, as a, as a free safety, and in the slot. They are interchangeable, and they they can each provide unique looks, allowing defensive coordinator Mike McDonald to change up his game plan week by week to account for different offenses. Now, again, like I said, it's about personnel. You need good, fast-ranging linebackers. You need a strong presence on the defensive line so that you can hold the run, but you also need unique personnel in your secondary to be able to, you know, instinctually cover their zones and different things like that. And also with the way that they operate with middle of the or middle of the field open, middle of the field closed type of coverages, so that you, you know, you can combat a team like the 49ers who absolutely kill man coverage. They are a man-beating team. That's what they do. And they also operate very well with middle of the field uh, when the middle of the field is open, you know, because of the way that Brock Purdy is able to, um, sorry, uh, with the way that Brock Purdy is able to, you know, thread the needle, also get balls to all portions of the field. I don't know if the Packers can match that, which is why I initially said, I think this might be an offensive showdown. That's where I'm kind of, uh, that's where I'm kind of leaning to. And obviously at the top of the offensive showdown, is a guy who we've kind of seen enter the MVP conversation this year. And then another guy who's obviously ascended into the franchise quarterback type of realm uh, in Jordan Love, obviously the initial being Brock Purdy. Break down this matchup to me. How do you see the two different players and what do you think their roles are going to be on Saturday? Two great quarterbacks, two young phenoms in the NFL. We got Brock Purdy, you got Jordan Love. Uh, you saw what they did in their first uh, playoff appearances. You know, Jordan Love had a great game. We just talked about his stats. He got to go back to last year for Brock Purdy against the Seattle Seahawks, where he finished the game with four touchdowns. Uh, more passing attempts. I think he was 18 for 30 in that particular game. He was sacked once, but he didn't have any turnovers, but four touchdowns, and uh, but a pass rating of a 130 plus. So you got, you got those. This is what you got to look forward to. The difference between the two, in my opinion, is the efficiency. Like the efficiency. And so when you look at what Brock Purdy can do, he can beat you deep, he can beat you short, he can run. <laughs> like those those are three things, right? What is Jordan Love great at? Jordan Love is great when you're able to protect for him. And I do like Green Bay's offensive line. So that that might be key for them. When you look at Jordan Love, what does he do? He likes the seven-step dropbacks. How many times did he drop back seven time, uh, seven steps in that Dallas game? They just could not figure out how to get the rush there, and they weren't really getting anything from up front, up in the middle, right? Everything was coming from the edges, and so he was able to just step right up in that pocket and deliver a ball right down the middle of the field, and that is Jordan Love, whereas Brock Purdy is going to be able to make all the throws, whether we're talking to the out of bounds, where we're talking immediate throws, uh, middle of the field, deep down, if he's going to take his shots, right, depending on, you know, what the defense is, what he sees in coverage. And so 
uh, it's efficiency that separates the two, right? Which quarterback is the most more efficient one? And when you look at that, it's always Brock Purdy because Brock Purdy, I believe, led quarterbacks in efficiency this year. If not, he was definitely top two. And I don't think Jordan Love would even be in the top five. I don't have the numbers right in front of me, but that's the difference. Brock says, okay, you're going to blitz me? Cool. Quick throw. Accurate. Yak. Big yards. Like, that's what enables... Brock Purdy like that's that's part of Kyle Shanahan's offense now I'm not saying Jordan Love can't do that stuff and I just don't think that Matt LaFleur trusts him to be accurate yet so that's what the Niners I think defensively are going to force him to do they're going to take away the explosive plays down the field I guarantee you won't see one guy wide open I can guarantee it it just won't happen well not not, not against the Niners defense they're way more disciplined uh, because you talked about the veteranship back there, right? And so, like, I, I'm going to tell you this. Then you're not going to get that. Will a guy get beat in coverage? Possibly. But they won't be anybody just wide open sitting in the middle of the field for Jordan Love to have time to get the ball to. So, to me, that's the difference. Jordan Love is going to have to make quick, accurate throws. The 49ers game plan all season defensively has forced quarterbacks to do what? Get rid of the ball fast. Even on the quarterbacks that are pocket passers, they had to become mobile and get rid of the ball fast, which is another thing Jordan Love doesn't tend to do. Doesn't like to move outside of the pocket. When he does, he's not as accurate, right? And so that's the difference between the two. Uh, like you, you could pick your poison and say which one is better, but I'm going to go with the guy that can make all the throws, a, 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 you know, opposed to the guy that's looking to get the ball down the field to his playmakers. I think that that's a fair assessment. I did have a hot take earlier today when I was ranking the playoff quarterbacks. Ooh. I put Jordan Love, I believe, at number, I think I had him at number four, that's, which is okay. pretty, pretty, pretty high praise because I do view Jordan Love as a pretty good quarterback, specifically over the second half of the season. Maybe it's, you know, saying it a little too early. I think I had Brock Purdy um, at six right behind CJ Stroud. But the reason that I made my ranking with a certain specification, all six of the top quarterbacks in uh, in that top six are franchise quarterbacks. They are top 13 quarterbacks in my eyes. That's uh, the way that I look at it. So I think that eyes. there are only two non-franchise quarterbacks right now, which is why the margin when you have interchangeable options is very, very slim. Now, I will say this. I think this year is a little different than years past in the NFL. Why? When you look at the NFC, the teams with the better quarterback hasn't always won this year. You look at quarterbacks like Dak Prescott, who many had in the MVP conversation in the top five, Jalen Hurts, who, you know, was up there last year and is seen as a top 10 quarterback in many eyes. And then you also had Matthew Stafford, who was playing like a top five quarterback down the stretch for the Rams. All three quarterbacks were eliminated in the first round of the playoffs. Instead, Guys like Baker Mayfield, Jared Goff, and now Jordan Love are moving on. I think this year might be showing where it might not be as quarterback-focused, at least getting to the Super Bowl. It might be which team can stop the run, have a more balanced attack, and win in the trenches instead. And these three teams right now are proving, you know, proving to do that. When you talk about the Buccaneers and the Eagles game, Philadelphia's strong offensive line was getting beaten up. The the, the blitz just got to, uh, to Jalen Hurts. He was not able to compete. And also the Eagles did not run the football at all in the first half. They consistently tried to throw the football while uh, Tampa Bay tried to operate with a more balanced approach. Same thing happened with Green Bay in terms of 
who had the more effective running game? It was Aaron Jones and the Packers. And then in the Lions game, obviously the Lions have one of the strongest, you know, rushing attacks in the NFL. The uh, the Rams they were all right, but it's Matthew Stafford. It's more of a it's more of a throw oriented approach, especially with the injury to Kyron Williams. Now, if you look at this game, the question to me with how these two quarterbacks play is not even related to the two quarterbacks. It's how well can each team run the football. The 49ers have proven to do that even against elite teams. And even when their run game isn't working as strong, the reason the run game isn't working as strong is because opposing defenses look to sell out the run. You can just point to one of the more marquee matchups the Niners had this year against the Cowboys. What did they do in that game? They sent a, a you know, they packed the box. They sent a boatload of, box. Yeah. yeah, they 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 sent a boatload of defenders to defend the run. They And that's why McCaffrey only had 51 yards on 19 carries. But the 49ers scored 42 points in that game because when you do that, you leave man-to-man matchups across the board and you leave favorable matchups for Brock Purdy to decipher and pick his targets. And I think that's that, that's the issue with the 49ers where you need unique personnel to defend them because of how wide range they are offensively. Now for the Packers, I think it's going to be important for Aaron Jones to be able to run the football at a high rate because if he isn't, if you can't control the line of scrimmage when they're on offense – then the Packers are going to have to be more one-dimensional, and that's exactly where the 49ers beat teams. So Jordan Love, I think the way that he ultimately performs, if the Packers can sustain some success in the run game, I think Love has the talent to make the throws necessary to move uh, you know, move the Packers downfield. But if they don't, the Packers might be in a bit of a rut because they are going to need to keep up offensively to win this game. And I agree with that. Um, and I'm expecting the Packers to come out to sell out to try to take away the run, but that's the gamble that they're going to have to play, right? And so you've seen what happens when you gamble and you stack against the box. Now, the difference is the quarterback because when late, as of lately, you go back to the history before Brock Purdy took over, when teams stacked the box, the quarterback was the reason why we couldn't continue to flourish as an offense, right? It was Jimmy Garoppolo not being able to make the throws, not even not even being able to locate the man-to-man coverage to make the accurate throw, to make the right throw down the field. It was little things like that. And you were just like, dang, like, right? So what is going on? Now you got Brock Purdy in here, and it's, hey, stack the box. I'm still going to throw the ball. Blitz me. I'm still going to throw the ball. And we're still going to find a way to run it, right? Because all you got to do is beat the stack box one or two times with a big throw down the field. And I get, I bet you they won't stack the box anymore, Rohan. And guess what that's going to, and guess what it'll end up doing? Opening up the running lanes for those running backs to get right up there down the middle. And so like the Niners, um, it, it, to, it, it still evolves around the quarterback's competency and what they see out there on the football field. And still they have to go out there and find a way to execute. I expect the Packers to blitz. I expect Packers to stack the box. I expect the Packers to do everything in their power to deter the 49ers from their game plan. But the, the key is to not, you can dif- you differentiate your game plan a little bit, but don't change it all the way up just in case, just if it's not working. Like, stick to it. Run the ball. Find a way to get that ball out to uh, Brock Purdy's hands. If Brock got to take off and run for, for Jinx, just to break it up just a little bit. So it's going to come down to Brock Purdy, Jordan Love, uh, and these rushing attacks on both sides. I agree. I think that that's a good breakdown, and that's why – you know, this this game is going to be more so on the offensive end. But let's talk about something different because the 49ers, you know, when you're looking at factors as to why they might lose, 
One that many would point to is the injury department where the 49ers might be a little more banged up. I know, Wayne, you're all on top of that. What do you think about the 49ers and their injury issues for this week? Do you think that right now it's looking more on the uptrend, or do you think that this is seriously a concern given the amount of players that were banged up heading into week 18 that ultimately didn't play or were limited in that game? Yeah, I mean, I think it's an upward trend for the 49ers just because they had an extra week off. They were able to get some extra rest uh, for some of the players with some of these injuries. I know the biggest question mark is going to be the gameplay from Eric Armstead uh, because he hasn't played in several weeks. So will he be back into some type of football shape or will he be a little bit rusty out there in the football field? Again, he was limited today in practice. So I know people are probably like, oh, my gosh, he's still limited, blah, blah, blah. Listen, this is all to me just precautionary stuff for Eric Armstead. I guarantee he's going to suit up, be ready to go, and probably be one of the key pieces out there uh, uh, You know, on the football field. I think the Niners are trending upwards because you heard Kyle Shanahan talk about it today. He doesn't, Drake Greenlaw not practicing today, but he's definitely going to be practicing tomorrow. So like even his injury, even though it sounds super severe because it's Achilles tendonitis, he's going to be out there. As long as the Niners have their stout key pieces, they're going to be fine. I know the new injury to Logan Ryan is probably going to be question mark, you know, for people. But guess what? That's why Jair Brown is back, right? He's been cleared. He's good to go. All right. And so Jair Brown, Juwan Jennings, uh, Tashawn Gibson, like all these players that were injured are full go in practice minus the ones we just talked about. And so I think it's going to be a trend up. It does suck to lose Cleveland Farrell, but you saw that they brought back uh, Austin Bryant uh, and they signed him to the team's practice squad. I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't get called up just for the simple fact that he, I think he could be called up one more time. And on top of that, like they will have more rotative depth from that defensive edge position, especially with getting Eric Armstead back. And that's why I said I think he'll be the key because guess where he can line up? inside outside and so i think for the 49ers they're going to be just fine uh with the injuries opposed to the green bay packers who are dealing with some players banged up i think kingsley uh and nagbear is going to be out yeah yeah yeah, barry he he lost he tore his acl right and so he's out for the season unfortunately so prayers go up to him but then jair alexander got a little dinged up and so like they have some players that 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 may not playing his game as well. So look, I think it's trending up for the Niners, trending down for the Packers. I think that that's, you know, an important thing because the Niners are looking for good injury luck this week after, you know, in week 18 where they were, where, where they were missing a couple of players. And that's why that bye week was so crucial. Thankfully for the Steelers, uh, sorry, not the Steelers, the Eagles collapse at the end of the year, made it a little easier than uh, expected. But you got guys like Ark Armstead. Armstead's a guy who you do want because what did I say? Important things in the playoffs, stopping the run and also being able to run the football. Armstead's your best run defender. If he's there, it makes Aaron Jones's job that much more difficult. And then when you talk about who Armstead's going to go up against, it's arguably the Packers' worst offensive lineman, center Josh Myers. And so when you when you look at the, you know, the different different breakdowns of it, Armstead's appearance in this game might be very very crucial for the Niners and it seems like that's going to be a go Juwan Jennings on the other hand we saw in the games that he missed the Niners really like that reliable third down option there were a couple of drops a couple of just miscommunications between slot receivers and Brock Purdy on crucial third down situations in weeks uh what was it 17 and 18 uh, or 16 17 and 18 went after Jennings went out and so he he's a guy who provides you a presence once again playoff football it's physical You've got your most physical, you know, offensive player 
that is not an offensive lineman out there now, back out there again. I think that's going to be important, but I think the most important one of all, obviously, is Christian McCaffrey. You needed to give Christian McCaffrey some rest, just like the Packers did earlier in the season with Aaron Jones to provide him ample, uh, you know, ample opportunity in the playoffs. You want to rest Christian McCaffrey so that you could overload him in the playoffs. They did that in week 18. He gets another week of rest. The 49ers seem like they're going hard anyway in practice last week, acclimating everybody back into that kind of game type of environment. Seems like McCaffrey should be a go as well. 49ers should be trending upwards on the injury report, like Wayne said. Bingo, bingo, bingo. And you got to love it, man. I can't, a fresh McCaffrey? <laughs> Do you think we could see a repeat of the Raheem Mostert, you know, uh, Packers thrashing from a few years ago? Different style of running backs, but can the can the productivity be the same? Possibly, because Christian McCaffrey's a banger, man. Listen, he's taking the ball up the middle. Raheem Mostert wasn't trying to get touched. Christian McCaffrey is is doesn't care. Like, and so the fact that you know he's just going to be healthy, I wouldn't be surprised if there's four rushing touchdowns in this game. And you just they just dominate on the ground. I really don't think they'll be able to stop the run. I as much as I like Kenny Clark, he's just he's the nose tackle. Those linebackers are gonna kinda have, you know, and I like Devondre Campbell. I'm not gonna stunt Quay Walker. They're they're pretty decent against the run, but they're they they're gonna struggle against the pass and the mismatches that Kyle Shanahan is gonna scheme up for those guys. But I say run it until they prove they can stop it. <laughs> like that's just my theory. That if I was coach, that would be my game plan. Yeah, I think that, like you said, um, that's going to be an important aspect for this 49ers team. Now, real quick, let's look at the other playoff matchup because when you talk about the NFC, obviously you're going to face one of the other two teams. And, um, you know, Jared Goff, Baker Mayfield, that's going to be an intriguing matchup. How do you see that Lions-Buccaneers matchup now going ahead? Um, just briefly looking at that one. It's funny because I, I don't think the Lions – Defense is 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 I I okay. I think the Lions got the better offense, but the Panthers. I mean, but the but the uh, Buccaneers got the better defense. It's better run defense, and in my opinion, what is the Panthers going to try to do to take away from the Lions because they got a strong run game and and uh, is it Singletary and, and Gibbs? They got a strong run game. Yeah, and so with Montgomery and, and Gibbs, you're right. Montgomery, I'm sorry, Montgomery and Gibbs, strong run game. Sam La, Sam Laporta looked good. I didn't even know Sam Laporta was gonna play. Like I missed that. I'm like, oh shoot, he caught touchdown. I didn't. I was like, that can't be Sam Laporta. I thought he was out for the season. Nah. So so like they, I I feel like the Lions' run game is good, but they're gonna be going up against a top run defense. And you saw what the Buccaneers did to the Eagles and DeAndre Swift was what a top five running back they took his behind out like all the way out so it's gonna be a I think that's gonna be more of a battle game uh not high scoring um but whichever team can control that run game as well because Tampa has to find a way to run against the Lions I feel like the Lions though are a little bit suspect on defense and I think that's why teams seem to just stay in the games with them like they're able to get big plays on their defense so i think that game is going to be really close believe it or not but i'm going to give the edge to the detroit lions because i'm going to go with the experience and the experience would be jared golf and his super bowl experience and him knowing how to win this game would be the reason why they win that game i think that that's a good point 
Um, I, I think that when you talk about those two teams, you're right. I think the Buccaneers have the better defense. I think the Lions have the better offense. The uh, the Lions right now, their secondary is not that great. I mean, Cameron Sutton's their top corner. A lot of those guys are injured. I don't think that they're that great overall. But they've got Aiden Hutchinson. They've got a couple of you know young pieces that they think that they can fit into that uh, fit into that winning formula and things like that. But it's more so their style of play that kind of makes the, the it's wild. Kind of it's a wild, up. it's a, like, like a wild animal style. Exactly. Yeah, it's like, right. you know, it's like a, it's like they're putting out a fire defensively, offensively, they're ground pound. Right. They're trying to just like, you know, rip your soul out type of thing. And so that's where you can see them definitely winning the Buccaneers. They have a good defense. It's more so can they get opportunistic with that defense as to whether they can move forward and things like that. Baker, He's solid. We saw, you know, at times uh, in, in this past game, he held on to the ball too long. But Dave Canales, in my opinion, is a good offensive coordinator for the Bucs. I think he's done a great job there. I think that, I mean, he got weapons there. So we'll see how that matchup goes. But Wayne, to cap off today's show, I think we got to talk about just, you know, maybe a little Debbie Downer. What do you think are some concerns for the 49ers? You, you might not even have to point out just this week, but overall in the playoffs, what do you think are some concerns for the 49ers? I mean, I mean, the number one concern has to be like a key injury, right? Key injury yeah. uh, to the quarterback position, uh, and and so like that that would be the number one concern. Um, you got to look at officiating. You got to there are a couple of things or areas that the Niners got to kind of like focus on. I don't want them to play to not get injured. They got to come out there at the game plan to play. But guys, we know how it happened if Brock Purdy goes down. Luckily. I think Sam Darnold is a better backup than anyone we've had, you know, since, you know, so we probably could continue to be offensively okay, uh, but we don't want to see that. Uh, I'm looking at, I'm looking at Alex Kemp and I don't really like his track record, especially no, I'm with. I'm glad the, you brought up Alex Kemp. Oh, sugar. Surprisingly or not, my next article Good. is about penalties, about oh. penalties. Listen, and it is this ain't the game. Just a little bit today. Here's uh, some 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 information for you. 49ers rank in the regular season ranked 21st in the NFL Jeez. in penalties, averaging 5.9 a game. Green Bay was even worse, ranked 25th, averaging 6.2 penalties a game. Now the NFL, like you said, uh, announced officiating crews. Alex Kemp is the one doing the Packers and the 49ers. Can you guess where Alex Kemp's group leads the league or leads the playoff officiating groups? It's penalties. Alex Kemp has, um, you know, he's thrown, his crew has thrown 214 penalties in 17 games this year. 12.6 a game. That is the most of any of the four playoff crews, slightly beating John Hussey's group. They throw 12.3 a game. So you got two teams that are in the bottom 20 for penalties, and you've got the guy throwing the most penalty flags. Kemp has officiated two Niners games this year. He officiated week one against the Steelers. The Niners one-handedly 30-7, but Kemp threw 11 flags for 85 yards against the 49ers in that one. Just, just against the 49ers, the Steelers mm -hmm. had, I believe, had six penalties of their own. And then in week 13, uh, Kemp's crew threw 13 total flags. One was declined. Niners had five flags for 47 yards, one declined. Look, the Niners just got to go out there and be on their P's and Q's, right? And so um, try to avoid the mistakes, the silly ones, the false starts, the offsides, too many of those, right? Especially from our defense, like Bosa, too many offsides. Like, nah, don't worry about, try, try to eliminate those. They're going to call it holding. If it looks like a hold, if you 
act like you held, it's going to get called. Uh, so players just got to be more on their P's and Q's. Um, and, and so when I look at the Niners, I say, man, if they can figure out how, a, a way to limit those, that would be great. Those are mistakes to me. But the number one overall thing for me is they have to tackle. Mm-hmm. They have to rap, first-person rap, and I need all 10 other players on that ball. Some The next person over there could come and punch. Or whatever. I don't want the first person punching because that's how you miss the tackle. You're trying to go there and get the ball. They got to rap and tackle because, look, I don't think Aaron Jones is going to be as explosive on the ground as he was against the Dallas Cowboys, but I guarantee you when they look and say, well, how was Aaron Jones effective against the 49ers throughout his career? It's in the receiving game. And so if Jordan Love, you said he can make these throws, if he can make those quick throws, those screen throws, those accurate, if they could do that, that's something we're going to have to get to because those big linemen, are going to be blocking downfield. We got to find a way to bust up that. Dre Greenlaw is going to have to have a huge game in the screens. Oren Burke's huge game in the screens. Like, that is, to me, the key. They have to wrap and freaking tackle, bro. I think the tackling is going to be humongous because that was an issue when the 49ers were going through a bit of a rut, right? Even during their winning streak, when they were going through a bit of a rut defensively, tackling was a big issue. And again, we just saw an ugly ugly performance from the Philadelphia Eagles in the tackling department. It showed that even though they might be the more talented team overall, that tackling issues can lead to, because they, they wing on a defense and it, it just shows that one team's kind of more physical than the other. You got to be able to tackle, got to be able to wrap up, especially when you're facing an offense that looks very similar to yours. What do the Packers like to do? It's play action. They like to run similar concepts to the 49ers. Remember it's Matt LaFleur, who arguably could be in the head coaching of the year conversation alongside Kyle Shanahan because of the way that he's done uh, work with Jordan Love. And they run a lot of play action, run a lot of the Niner concepts as well. You know, you'll see a lot of those uh, in breaking crossing routes, different things like that. So the Niners, it's a similar thing to what their offense is. The point is they've got to stop it. Best way to do that is tackling, especially, you know, open field tackling. That's going to be important. And even the tackles, look, I'm expecting the Niners to generate pressure. Okay, if you get your arm around Jordan Love, please get him down to the ground. Don't miss that tackle. That's a sack. See, they 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 have to they have to do better at just finishing and executing. And so I probably should say executing uh, because you got to execute offensively and running the game plan and running the plays, and you got to execute defensively by not by making tackles. Oh yeah, definitely. Now one that I'll throw out there. Um, that is different from tackles that we just see a little bit of concern in week 18. I'll talk about Jake Moody, right? Because Ah. Jake Moody and those kicking issues, those aren't going to be going, you know, maybe not in the first game if you don't expect it to be close. But even regardless, in a playoff environment, you want to have faith in your kicker. Jake Moody ended the season with two missed kicks in the week 18 meaningless game. And they were from they, they they were chip chip chippy kicks you know they were from close range and he didn't end the game with the uh, with the make the 49ers couldn't get him the opportunity to do so so his last kicks are are misses you know and that's going to be something to monitor because let's say the 49ers early in the game get into the red zone and are stopped what happens if you miss a field goal in the red zone those are opportunities you do not want to lose points on because not only does it create momentum early in the game both negative if you miss it and positive if you make it, but also you need points in the playoffs. In a physical game, you're going to need to score as many as you can, especially 
against a team like the Packers who primarily ride on their offense. Yeah, I mean, that's a great point. And, you know, it didn't end well for Moody uh, in that last game, even though his overall season is an 85% uh, field goal kicker throughout the season. So he had a great, great season. He's damn near a 90% extra point kicker. I'm curious to know about, like, you know, and I didn't watch it off film. I didn't watch the special teams film in that last game. It was kind of like fried. And I, I, I don't know if it was wind blowing, if the snaps were bad. I don't know if the holds were bad. I'm curious to know if you saw anything in detail. If not, none of the matter is he has to make those kicks. I will only say that you watched the uh, the the Rams kicker miss too. And yeah. so like I wonder if it was something that had to do with the weather and the wind. But I'm expecting him to come back out, shake that off, and when his number is called to execute. So that to me still goes into execution. I don't care who your what your role is, what position you play, when your number is called, you have to go out there and execute. I expect the quarterbacks to execute. I expect the players to not drop passes. I expect runners to run. I expect blockers to block. And damn it, I expect kickers to kick and defense to defense. That's what I'm expecting in this game. I, I think that that's going to be, you know, that's the expectation. You hope that the uh, you know, you hope that the reality meets the expectation in that Correct. regard, but that's going to be, you know, something important. I didn't think the win was that big of a factor in that game. Uh, I was there in person. It might have been a little bit, but I didn't think it was that big of a factor. But then again, you know, that's the, that's something you've definitely got to monitor um, because Jake Moody, uh, and this is leading to my next point, is going to be playing in some rain this weekend. I believe it is going to be a rainy contest. How does that change your outlook of the game with maybe game plans or different things like that um, for this weekend? That's a great question because I sure enough got a question to follow up with you. Um, I don't know if it changes the game plan whatsoever. Uh, I think the game plan is the game plan, and it comes down to, again, the players just finding ways to execute. Listen, if you have an opportunity to kick a field goal and it's in the range of your kicker, you go out there and you kick that field goal. I don't care if it's raining, pouring, sleeting, hailing. It doesn't matter. You got to do what you got to do when your number is called. But I want to flip the question are you more concerned about Jake Moody in the rain or Brock Purdy in the rain? And so like that to me, mm. I feel like is mm, you hit me with the, mm, so I'm just going to shut up and just, I just want to hear what you have to say because we do know that because of Brock's measurables, I was going to point out that hand. Yeah. Take it away, baby. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's true, right? Because when you're talking about a game, especially uh, coming off for us, you know, all those kind of things are coming off a, a, a long layoff. Your first game back in the rain, that's going to be important, but I uh, the way that I think about it is both both quarterbacks are going to have to deal with those con conditions. You know, I know I know Love's measurables are better um, for sure, but in a game like this, the reason I'm not as concerned for Brock Purdy is that the 49ers have the beautiful fallback option of their run game. I think that they can still look to dominate on the ground. Obviously, you don't want to be one-dimensional offensively, but I think it's going to be up to Kyle Shanahan if he believes that the rain's going to be an issue then, uh, you know, schedule up different, different, you know, schedule up opportunities that are easier for Brock Purdy to kind of convert, get him into a rhythm so that he can understand the conditions and things like that. I do believe when you, when you look at the rain kind of element, I believe it only kind of kicks in towards the second half, which like, okay. might be, might be, uh, it's, it's weather projections, but that might be good or bad, but, um, for concerns, I'm going to still say Jake Moody, just because I think that Missed kicks can change the outcome of a game just like that when the offense is rolling while the 49ers, I put this, I believe, in an article at the after week 18. 
when you talk about Brock Purdy or the run game or even the defense, there's always a fallback option. If Brock Purdy struggles, you have the run game. If the run game struggles, you have the quarterback. If the defense, let's say if the if the if the pressure isn't getting there, you have the cornerbacks to kind of back them up. If the pressure is getting there, that helps out the cornerbacks. There's a fallback option for every other aspect of the game. But for kicker, you don't have a fallback option. It's either you're making it or you're not. And that's the way that's kind of like my mentality going into the playoffs, which is why I'm still going to say Jake Moody. And again, I'm not going to discount what Moody did prior to that. But if you look at his overall statistics for this season, he's 21st in field goal percentage this year at 84%. And so that's something to note. Uh, and again, he's a rookie. You're, you're, you're hoping for better results as the year goes along. And if he redeems himself in the playoffs, everything is forgotten. Everyone's going to hail him as the next Robbie Gould and whatnot. I'm curious to know though, because the I'm sure the attempts is way different than most of these kickers with higher field goal percentages, uh, for him to be 21st. So I'm just curious, or or, or even less. Like if a kicker only yeah. kicked one field goal attempt and they are 100, percent I mean that changes it up big. But I'm just yeah, curious. To know. It's, it's like qualified kickers. I know your point though, because when you talk about it, uh, what do you call it? Moody hasn't kicked probably as many field goals as a lot of the other top guys. Really? See, I was just thinking that because from what we see, we don't attempt many field goals, which to me is one of the things that's been hurting them. <laughs> but it's yeah. also, it's been a gift and a curse because we're scoring in the red zone. I want touchdowns. For F yeah. Field goals. Give me touchdowns. But like you said, if, 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 if a penalty, you get stopped, your kicker got to come in and you got to be able to knock them down you know, 50 plus, right? Or, you know, anything less than 50, it got to go through the upright. So I'm just curious to know, like, what was his attempts like? Because I don't have it right in front of my face. That's why I'm asking. Yeah. Um, from what I remember, Moody, had he kicked 25 different attempts. There was only one kicker in the above him that kicked less, and that was Riley Patterson, the okay. uh, Detroit Lions kicker. He, had, he went 16 of 18. He was the only other one. Everybody else was above 25 attempts. And so you can take that as you may. Other kickers took more field goals and had a higher percentage, or you could take that as Moody didn't have as many field goals to potentially prove himself and things like that. But I, I do think that that's something, you know. It's definitely a concern, play. though. The, the, at the end of the day, it's a concern. It, like, and even if he was 100%, it would be a concern because now the now then this these are pressure games. <laughs> like, these, ain't, these aren't regular season games. So I, I would say even if he was 100% on the season, if, if he was 25 for 25, Going into a playoff game, that's a different type of pressure. So I, I could still understand why, you know, we would be concerned. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Now, one other thing I want to mention to you, uh, an injury we didn't really talk about too much, but one that's kind of like water under the rug a little bit is Trent Williams' ankle. That's kind of been a one thing that bothered him. He played for one series. Um, I mean, he's Trent Williams. A 70%, 80% Trent Williams is still better than your average 50% or your average guy. But is that a concern to you, especially if the 49ers go run heavy? No, I. he got the start, and if he had to play that whole game, I think he would have played the whole game. And so I'm not concerned anything about, uh, you know, from his injury. And then especially now, the concern is definitely trending all the way down. Like it, it, zero concern because he just had plenty of time to rest up on that ankle. Uh, and like you said, he was able to get the start. He looked like he was firing off the ball. He looked good. Um, and, and and so I think Trent is going to be just fine. This, this is the playoff game. And you know what? The Niners mentality is winner go home. And it's been that all season long. I guarantee those players are going to be out there giving all 110%, bro. 
Yeah, I, I think so. I think so. And I mean, that's going to be an interesting one where, you know, where you talk about players giving, you know, they're all because a lot of these guys now with the rest, I think is going to be trending up. That's why when we talked about injuries earlier, not as big of a deal, but you know, those are the main issues. I think when you talk about it, um, Wayne talked about tackling, you can talk about kicking, you can talk about injuries and things like that. But for the most part, the reason that there aren't too many concerns is because this is one of the most, if not the most talented rosters in the NFL. And so with that said, Wayne, I want to hear your score prediction for this yeah. game. You said Listen, you don't think it's going to be close. I, I And I don't. And, and, you know, the way that the game is going to end, it's going to be 35 to 70. I, I think that's the score. Uh, was that an 18-point game for the Niners? They covered the spread. Uh, by eight more points on top of that, or I think it's nine and a half now. But at the end of the day, like I just don't think it's going to be close. Even if the game does pair that it's close at around the halftime, like a 14 to 10 type of game, even if that's what it is, and, and Green Bay scores, they get the ball at the second half and get a touchdown, now they're up. I think that's when the Niners flip that switch. They've, they've been, they, they remind me a lot of the Michigan Wolverines. Like They play Pat that first half, they kind of feel it out, and then they flip a button. And the next thing you know, defense locks in. They make the great adjustments. And then boom, 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 boom. 35-17. Yeah. Uh, oh, 35-17. I think that that's a good score. Um, I think that – so you, you're you essentially thinking the Packers are probably going to cover the spread nine and a half – or sorry, the Niners cover the spread nine and a half points. Yeah, I do. I just – I don't see the Packers being able to stop the Niners. I know Jair Alexander is a good cornerback, but the 49ers have played the Packers a couple of times now with Jair Alexander in there. And it's unfortunately one guy can't make a defense. And I mean, I'm not saying they only have one player, but the way that the Packers play, I just don't know if Joe Barry can stop this defense. I don't know if the Packers are going to give up. You know, I don't think the Packers are the 49ers, I think, are scoring 30 at least. I think that 35 could be an option. I think Green Bay will find its way to score a little bit, but I think my end score might be something along the lines of 41 to 24. I, I think the 49ers it. are going to score a lot. The one thing that might alter my, uh, you know, my, my, my prediction is when we find out if the weather is worse or not, usually that'll lead to a little bit of a lesser scoring game. But in pristine conditions, 41 24 Niners is kind of where I'm going to head. It's a great score. It's a great score. Uh, I know you got them giving up 24 points, but probably they're coming at the end of the game. Yeah. Like, you know, and so if it's 70, that's a great score. That's a great score. Because it could be 41 to 17 with two minutes left. They got the ball. Next thing you know, Niners playing prevent defense, and they get in the end zone because it's not enough time for them to come back. So that's a good score. Yeah. Good prediction. Well, Wayne, I appreciate your time, man. This was a man, really Thank you for having show. me, bro. We talking about the Packers, the 49ers, everything about it. Before we head on out, though, I do want to give let you kind of, uh, you know, first I got to say, happy belated birthday, everybody. Oh, you, birthday yesterday, uh, you know, he, he we, we glad to have him on right after that. But want to give you an opportunity to shout out any channels or anything that you got going on as well this week. Yeah, man. Listen, we're growing here on YouTube, so the community is great. Uh, one of the greatest communities out there. Shout out to the Breezy Bunch crew. Uh, shout out to everybody out there. Listen, at the Wayne Breezy uh, is where is where we do the live streams daily. Uh, you're gonna find something on this channel just about every day, whether it's it's Madden, whether it's us talking. It's just a fun. It's a fun channel. So make sure you go ahead and subscribe. Hit the like button. Don't forget to hit the like button right here 
on Rohan's channel, man. If you are not subscribed to his channel, hit that subscribe button as well uh, because Rohan puts out some of the greatest content. And you want to talk about a, a person that goes and, 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 and reads with in between the lines of everything that's going on, that's the man right there. Like, he just knows how to break it down. Uh, but listen, I, I, there was something I wanted to do. I can't remember what it was. Dang it. Has something to do with the shows. Oh, well. It'll come to me at some point in life. But this was a great show. And Rohan, thank you for having me on. Yeah, man. Wayne, as always, it's a pleasure. And you guys make sure you got us. Go ahead. There we Last go. Last time we played the Packers, it was in the NFC Championship game. And I made the newspapers. I will be there at this divisional round game making the newspapers again. I'm just telling you that right now. Y'all better order your newspapers then uh, <laughs> on Sunday. It was so Monday. funny, right? Because when I got back here, my uh, my colleague was like, oh, my gosh, Breezy, you're in the paper. And I'm like, I made the, the Bridgeport News? No, you're in the San Francisco Chronicle. I'm like, huh. how the fuck you get the San Francisco Chronicle over here? Oh, I get all the newspapers. <laughs> Oh my God. I love Vanessa. That was so dope, man. Thank you, Vanessa, if you're out there watching. But that 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 made my day. That made my day. But yeah, so I'm just saying we won. That's all I'm trying to say. We won that game. Uh, we ran the ball down their throats. And guess what? I don't think Matt LaFleur and his defense can stop the 49ers run game. I think that that's fair. I mean, we'll see how it goes. We'll see how Joe Barry can uh, you know operate against Kyle Shanahan. You know, Shanahan has a love-hate relationship with the Packers and their linebackers. We'll see how that goes. But, Wayne, you obviously came today, brought the heat. We appreciate everything over here, and have a great day. Everybody else in the chat, we appreciate y'all. We will see you guys soon, later on.